0: Thank you. Welcome everyone to all about windows phone insight podcast number 158 we're recording this on tuesday the 27th of october 2015 i'm steve litchfield with me i have Rafe blanford yes hello everybody time for another all about windows phone podcast one of my favorite times of the week
1: i have to say um we've got quite a few little bits of news to get through we're kind of in that period waiting for the new devices to come but of course there's still uh, various windows 10 mobile things to talk about and indeed some news around uh, the devices that we spent a lot of time uh, looking forward to and now that they've sort of been announced we're waiting for them to arrive on shop shelves uh, but steve what's the, the first topic on the agenda this week
0: Well, we can start with that actually. The Lumia 950 and 950XL, they're actually available for pre-order. Breaking news as we record this, it's gone up on the Microsoft site. Mm. I did report on the fact that the prices had dropped. We initially told, I think, 505.50 something for the two devices and it's now 450 and uh, 530, both including VAT, and certainly in the UK, this being a UK-based podcast, which is, uh, I think, rather more competitive. And that £50 price drop was rather significant. It, uh, there, there were absolute premium prices before. Now they're may, may just slightly expensive, which I think may make a difference. Uh, I think so. And yes,
1: I mean, some of that UK pricing was a very generous translation from the US dollar pricing we heard about at the launch, which isn't that unusual. Um, but I did suggest when talking about them that I felt that, you know, that they were a little heavy on the pricing side. And to a certain extent, I, I still sort of have that kind of feeling. Um, but that said, the top end, the kind of the official prices of the Lumia flagships have always actually been around this price point. And if you think back to the 930 when it first came out and something like the uh, 1520 as well. Um, yeah. And actually they do undercut, as you say, uh, kind of some of the pricing around some of the other flagship devices now, whether you think there's a direct comparison, that's uh, kind of another discussion. But certainly, compared to you know the top end iPhone certainly, and even some of the top end android devices you 're looking at a saving of between fifty and a hundred pounds depending on what device we 're talking about, and even a little bit more when you consider that these devices are actually quite generously specified in the memory department so these are thirty two gigabyte devices for example, so actually for most of the so for, for the iPhone the sixteen gigabyte the entry level you kind of need to bump that up a bit. Um, Good news for UK consumers, there's been kind of a a lot of news around this recently because they've been going up for pre-order in various countries around the world. Microsoft had a big day yesterday as we're recording this on October the twenty-sixth, with the Surface Pro four and the Surface Book going on sale in the states, uh, opening up a couple more stores in the US. There was a flagship store opening in New York, and a lot of the activity around that launch happened there. But it did sort of strike me as interesting that that was very much a US-led launch. Uh, If you look in the UK and a lot of the other markets, those devices have yet to arrive. They're sort of um, November and sometimes a little bit later than that. And we may well see something not dissimilar with the devices themselves, with the Lumia devices. I mean, Microsoft has talked about those being sort of towards the end of November. But is there a, is there a date on the Microsoft Store in the UK for these
0: devices yet, Steve? Well, if I put my credit card on the line, this is December the 3rd, they'll ship then. So uh, we were hoping that, Rafe, I think that we'll get a a review device possibly in the week or so before, and then we can have a review up in time for people to, you know, buy on launch day, should they be so inclined. But uh, I, I did comment on the availability story. There are it's slightly disappointing in a way that there's this gap of two months between announcement and actual availability. Um, and part of that is the fact that there's been so much anticipation. We've been waiting for so long. To have to wait another two months seems like a uh, excessive. But the, the big reason, of course, is the fact that Windows 10 Mobile itself is not ready yet. They, they There's no point whatsoever of them launching hardware that's ready if it's going to start crashing all over the place. And reviewers mark it down as such. They have to get the software absolutely nailed down so that for a new devices out of out of the box on december 3rd that the reviewers will see something that actually works and i don't think they've quite got there with the insiders preview and the code we've seen so far
1: yeah i think that's right and when we say delayed microsoft of course hasn't said that windows 10 mobile is delayed but if you look at the timing and as things have got pushed back i think it's pretty obvious that it slipped from the original schedule that was envisaged and whether you call that a delay or whether you call that sort of an unintended pushback of the start date it's entirely uh, semantics but as far as i'm concerned yes it is actually late and in terms of the devices it's kind of significant because as soon as you start putting it into that december time frame you know there's a reason that most of the manufacturers will announce some of their flagship devices around the september october time period i mean we've seen it recently for example um with htc announcing the 1a9 particularly that's been kind of shown up as a flagship in the states but also the nexus devices which are coming available at at this point in time and of course the iphones a little bit earlier they try and get that christmas market which still remains quite significant because more sales happen in q4 than any other quarter of the year now that tends to be more in the western markets and actually you see a similar bump for the chinese new year in, in q1 in other markets um but you know, partly that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, of course, because if the big new devices get announced, then of course the sales go up then because people want to get their hands on them as quickly as possible. But it does strike me that that's such kind of a bad thing for for Microsoft, who people who may have been thinking about getting these devices for the Christmas period or as presents or whatever may be less inclined to do so or, or may may go elsewhere. But it's probably worth saying that you know this is in one sense the kind of the new period for. Windows Phone or Windows 10 Mobile as it now is, it's in kind of the post-strategy shift that uh, Nadella announced earlier this year when he talked about it sort of not going after every part of the market, kind of a more focused approach. Um, and we're kind of seeing i think it's just less attention paid and it's interesting you know how microsoft sees this working out in the longer term because you know we've always talked about the importance of having deals with operators or carriers in the states and there's certainly a little bit less evidence of that now in the uk actually there's looks like there's going to be some pretty good operator support and they're talking about ranging a lot of the devices but in the us and some of the other markets it's weaker um and so, you know, it, it, it certainly is going to be very interesting to see how this is received by the market, how many sell, and indeed how much Microsoft care about that um, going forward. And I think, you know, some of the judgments that have traditionally been the case, you know, looking at the device numbers and shipments, how many operators they're on, um, it's a reflection of the status of where Windows 10 Mobile is. And yeah, frankly, it is because it's weak. Uh, but at the same time, I suspect Microsoft, by kind of announcing that shift, it's sort of not focusing on getting everything in the market. It wants more kind of almost a cutback program, if you will. Um, It's perhaps less concerned about that, but of course they still want to sell as many as possible. I don't think we should ever probably get away from that fact. And it's going to be harder for them to do that with the devices maybe arriving a little bit late and, you know, there being less channels through which consumers will be able to buy them.
0: Yeah, I did notice actually in the week there was the... uh... Quarterly results from Microsoft which were very, very good, and it's it's interesting reading news stories around the world that Microsoft is now a huge, a reliable and a trending brand. <laughs> Never thought it was the day when when those would words would be appropriate, but uh, Microsoft as a whole is doing very, very well, and uh, we can only hope that uh, the Windows 10 momentum really does carry forward through into 2016 with uh, these two flagship Lumia's, and also that the the upcoming Surface Windows 10 mobile device, which I think everyone's going to get quite excited about sometime in the middle of next year. Just looking at those um, quarterly results, a uh, people were kind of getting very down about the fact that there were only 5.8 million Lumias sold in a quarter three of, of 2015. But we knew this was going to happen. Satya Nadella had announced the plan you just mentioned, the, the refocusing of the strategy. Um, all around the the, the Globe shops were just scaling down their luminary orders. We, This is absolutely the lull. I know we've said this every year for the last four years, but we really are now in a lull <laughs> before a big, um, hopefully, boom in interest, if not necessarily millions of sales. I don't think my... Microsoft's, Microsoft isn't really going for the tens of millions now. It's not trying to compete with the Samsungs and Apples of this world with these flagship Lumias. It's trying to get some serious high-tech hardware in the right hands and to get some good brand recognition and some good uh, inspiration and momentum, I think.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, whether that model is sustainable or not, we've kind of talked about it on a couple of the podcasts, but I don't want to kind of go over that ground uh, right now. But just putting some numbers against this, uh, it was 5.8 million Lumia devices sold um in, in in quarter two, that's actually a pretty um astonishing decrease. It's fifty-four percent down on a year ago. When you then think about it a little bit in context, actually the number of new devices um that has come out in that time period and sort of actually in the quarter before has been relatively limited. It's really all about the Lumia six forty and the six forty XL. And when you look at the previous quarters and some of the things before that by comparison there were a lot more devices being announced you know you can look back um a year ago from now and see the 730 the 830 and then a lot of those low-end devices um and Uh, you know there is therefore less momentum behind the platform i think also presumably this strategy shift won't have helped matters and you know there is perhaps less attention being paid to getting as many of those low-cost devices into operator channels and if you look at it um there are actually still some markets where it's pretty healthy. Um, Kantar had their recent numbers out for smartphone sales. And actually in the UK, you know, it's still 10% of the smartphones, one in 10 being sold. But I do wonder whether, you know, it's dropping off in some of the markets like China and US where less attention, maybe it feels like it's being paid. Um, and, it's a bit of a cop-out to say that it's, you know, everyone knew new devices were coming and windows 10 mobile was on the way. And, you know, there's been, it's kind of double whammy with the, the strategy shift as well. And that Microsoft are going to have some questions to answer if, you know, that really stays or rather decreases more. It, it, it's honestly difficult to sort of say what would be the sustainable number, what would be right for Microsoft, um, I think their answer would be, we're not really looking at the total unit shipments anymore. We're much more concerned about kind of creating category leading devices or demonstrating what you can do, which is what they've done with the surface devices, but you can't really escape from the fact that the surface devices have now, you know, in their kind of later iterations started selling in quite significant numbers and itself become a billion dollar business for Microsoft. You contrast that with the phone performance and you're kind of only really left with one conclusion. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't be too too down on that. I mean, I wouldn't have expected quite such a big decrease. But having looked at the new models and you know where things have been, I'm not that surprised. Um, as you say, the rest of the docs were actually pretty positive. Um, you know, Microsoft in terms of becoming a cloud and service player, which very interestingly is of course one of the two pillars that uh, Satya Nadella talked about, along with mobile first. Um, looking at things like Azure up 135% in terms of uh, you know revenue and um you know office 365 revenue things like that um obviously changing focus in one sense of microsoft but you know people will immediately go well they're just going to forget about the devices business but then you look at the investment that's going into surface and you wonder you know what does that tweak look like for the lumia line or as it may become the surface phone line and that's kind of an interesting interesting question and you know is that sustainable with a relatively small number of devices when you'll have that ecosystem problem around apps and services and everything else? Um, but, you know, as I say, we, we talked about that a lot on future. Oh, I'm sorry, on past podcasts. And we're going to talk about it in the future, so I don't really want to dwell on that today
0: yeah of course the the whole phrase ecosystem problem uh, kind of ignores the fact that windows 10 itself is becoming a huge ecosystem so in a sense you the the, the phone world within the microsoft universe is all merging up nicely with this seamless universal apps nirvana which the the flaw in that argument of course is that not that many people actually used applications on the desktop most people just use a web browser (laughs) (laughs) and and i think there's an article there's an editorial in there somewhere for me there there
1: is and and that's kind of the big question mark i think every everybody has now um, and on on top of that you know you can't really escape the reality that microsoft has effectively reset its mobile efforts multiple times over the years and so there perhaps is a, a lack of confidence i think it's a bit unfair to describe windows phone 8.1 to windows 10 mobile as a complete reset because actually everything's fully compatible but i do take the point of view that you know you you look back at windows mobile windows 7 and windows 8 and Nokia kind of Nokia, partnership and then buying buying Nokia and all of that there have been several restarts and so there is just perhaps a lack of confidence around it but it, it it might take a kind of a landscape change with how mobile works in relation to desktops and all of that honestly i'm i'm still a little bit skeptical about it um because i think um, mobile is so huge on its own it's, it's very hard to see how it competes with android but then again does it need to is there is there something else in there so yeah we'll, we'll come back to that i'm sure we'll be talking about it, probably boring everyone listening to the podcast as well. So what else are we going to talk about this week, Steve?
0: <laughs> well, just before we leave that, one just one number oh, from okay. you, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, a finger in the air roughly how many million would you say um the 950 and 950 xl need to sell just in order to have confidence within microsoft over the next quarter the first quarter 2016 my gut feel is they probably only need to sell a million each that will be enough to show that, that, that they're in enough hands and generating enough positive vibes that microsoft would keep the whole thing going is a million each fair
1: i think if anything that's sort of um optimistic uh, if you look in the past um, given the number of windows phone devices being sold those flagships probably the 930 didn't even necessarily reach those kind of numbers uh, maybe over a longer period but in a single quarter uh, uh, possibly not i mean there will also be the older devices and we know there's the 550 and there's certainly rumors of a, a 650 in in the offering as well so i think actually what they'll want to look to do is make that current number go up a little bit and sort of, you know, yeah. if if they can get, you know, between 5 and 10 million, and let, let's just, you know, put a number out there, 10 million, I think I'd need to go away and do some back-of-the-envelope calculations. I suspect that level would be very sustainable as a way of, you know, employing a team to continue developing the technology, especially given how much is shared with desktop and how much can be potentially shared with Surface and also other Microsoft hardware partners. Because I think that's the other thing that could quite possibly happen. Some of that technology gets passed off to ASA, ASUS, and whoever else. Um, And so for Microsoft, you know, there are two dimensions just the financial one, and then also supporting its software and services and sort of the the Windows um, ecosystem, if you like. And so in that sense, I actually think the numbers can be relatively small for, for mobile because it gives it so much information. It isn't purely about just making money from the, the device sales, yeah. though of course yeah. that ultimately is the bottom line. And I suspect given operating expenditure uh, and what we know in the past about what's been spent, you know, for any smartphone manufacturer today, getting to around the 10 million marks starts making it a lot easier to, to make money. So that's probably a figure I would yeah. continue to identify as the one they need to reach.
0: Okay great well we must move on as you say um Windows 10 mobile maps um had an update today and I was looking to this and uh, there's two things actually that one is the fact that you can now specify saving your car parking position which doesn't sound like a big deal because you could always save wherever you were as a favorite anyway but in this case it has a specific favorite called car and you can change its location assigned to it according to where you park your car so you don't have to keep re- adding new favourites and cluttering up your favourites and maps, which is a really nice little uh, feature if you like. There's also um, venue maps for airports around the world, which is rather nice. So if you zoom in on Heathrow or Gatwick or Gaulle or wherever, if you zoom in far enough then tap on the big purple blob or depending on your colors scheme and theme um, and then it transforms itself into a multi-level map showing where all the shops and toilets are and you know which shop is which and where to find WH Smiths and so forth. And an interesting tip that's has come to light in the last hour or so, news is the fact that it's also available for windows for 8.1 so this is not just for people on the windows 10 mobile insiders preview if you use the old here maps client um this is obviously the main maps application on 8.1 if you check for updates and download map section you should find there's a new up to date available today and that will give exactly the same venue maps facility to uh, here maps on 8.1 so that's a really nice little extra this late in the day for 8.1 users Indeed. I mean, these venue maps have been available for a while now for shopping centers and uh,
1: for a lot of kind of retail areas and cities as well. And I've seen it in a couple of railway stations and Um, I think there are a couple of airports that were supported even before this, but this appears to be wider coverage and certainly that some of the maps seem to be more up to date and add some additional information as well and make it very clear what terminal you're looking at and gates and things like that. So it's a really nice addition. And actually, airports are one of the really obvious cases for venue maps along with uh, shopping centres. And of course, that is part of the core here platform, which is why it's sort of more generally available. It's not just a Windows 10 mobile thing. But I do like the car bookmarking as well. I mean when you get as old as Steve and I and your memory starts to go, it's <laughs> it's very important. Well, I'm putting myself in that category too, Steve. Um, you know, it's it's useful to have that reminder. But but joking aside, it's uh I'm sure I'm not the only one who uses um the map to kind of mark where you've left a car or kinda of a home base. And of course some um, you can use it for things other than a car as well. Uh but yeah, a nice little extra and just a little bit of thought going into the the
0: user experience. So yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, of course, you use it for marking lumps of concrete, for which more see the 361 Put Degrees <laughs> podcast.
1: Uh, you got your revenge in quite quickly there, Steve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, one of short news items, this is uh, again referring to Windows 10 Mobile, in that uh, Outlook Calendar... Which is the, obviously the default calendar on the new version of the platform um, has just inherited a major feature, one of my favorite features from 8.1, which is the the week view in calendar, whereby it kind of collapses. You tap on a day in the week view and that day expands and the other days collapse. It's kind of amazing that this wasn't in there from day one, but at least it's good to see that the new version of Windows 10 mobile going forwards has the, well, basically looks like 8.1 and behaves like it when you're planning your week, Rave. Yeah, it's great to see these updates
1: continue to roll out. And actually, WeakView is the one I always use most regularly on any kind of uh, canning application because it's the ideal combination of being able to get through things quickly and sort of have a, a, an overview. And it's been nicely done, you know, it's kind of the usual thing with these things. It's kind of expands when you tap on one of the days and you can then see your appointments listed by, by time. And it just feels like it's the most efficient use of space on any PDA um, or kind of smartphone system and has been since, you know, the year dot, going back to the Cyan days and the uh, Palm Pilots and things like that. But I, I also think this is a good example of how some of these internal apps, even relatively late on, are getting new features and improvements. And and Calendar is by no means the only exception to this. So, um, yes, again, it's it's a great addition. It'll be interesting to see, you know, because, of course, Microsoft has talked about there not being kind of big point releases. There will just be a constant stream of updates. So it'll be interesting to see how much that actually lives in in reality and I suspect apps is one of the places where that will be most obvious and even after you know, the big release and the in-place updates we'll continue to see updates to some of these internal apps um, perhaps not as big as Week View being added to calendar but certainly tweaks as we go along and, and that's to be you know, that'll be very welcome.
0: Yeah, there's been loads of updates in the last week or so to OneDrive and Microsoft Photos, for example, not all of which have warranted a a separate news story on their own. But if you've been following the Insiders Preview, as many of our listeners have, then I'm sure you've been noticing these just pop up. And one tip for you, if you are on the Insiders Preview, go into the store and go into settings and turn off the automatic updating of applications. You may think, well, you may say, well, why, why turn off it? Surely I want them all updated. But if the, if they're automatically updated, you never get to see what's new and what's changed. I admit they don't come with change logs, but at least I'd like to know if maps and onedrive and photos have all received major updates. I'd like to know about it and hit the update all button myself, not just so that I can report about it on the site, but I know what to expect when I when I browse through my device through, during the rest of the day, that I can expect to see perhaps new features or new fi- new fixes in those particular applications. So just turn that setting off, and I think you'll have a bit more of a feeling of control over what's happening on your smartphone.
1: Yeah, that's a good tip. I mean, I think on the normal course of things, you're quite happy for things to update automatically. But if you're on the Insider Program, you're already... Uh, probably a bit of a control freak about exactly what software you have on your device but these updates as you say quite a lot of the time they don't have change logs. where we do spot the big differences i know steve's been very diligent in writing stories about them but some of them are purely about performance and or layout tweaks um you know across a range of devices because actually and what we're increasingly seeing a a lot of these are universal apps of course so they work across a variety of different uh, screen sizes whether they're running on a mobile device a tablet or indeed a desktop computer and so um, I'm not just talking about that kind of classification actually between something like a 1520 and one of the smaller devices in between portrait and landscape mode you can can see differences so I don't think it was the last update but a relatively recent update to photos introduced that kind of thing um, and I think OneDrive has been improving its uh, performance as well so you know as i say we we can't always tell you what exactly is new and i think most most of our listeners are more than telling enough to work out the big new features but we'll try and highlight the, the ones that catch our attention uh, but again i expect to see more of these as the kind of uh Date gets closer to release, and again, it will be the, this ongoing pattern uh, in the future as well. Because I think Microsoft is just setting up its development teams, and the kind of the way those updates get passed out in, in a different way to which it traditionally has. And to be fair, that's always happened to an extent on the mobile platform. It's a bigger change for for desktop, I think. Um, but the combination of you know operators and having to fit in with various release cycles I mean even the mobile updates didn't get passed on that quickly. And now pretty much every single app on the phone can be updated independently of kind of a, a big a bigger update. And, and you know, you will see updates to things like phone and messaging being a good example with the kind of integration of Skype and some of the performance there. And not just the functionality on the phone itself. I mean, I think I'm right in saying there's been a new insider's build for Windows 10 on the desktop, which is starting to add the ability to do messaging and phones um, from from the uh from the pc and have it work on on the mobile device as well as actually adding in kind of phone functionality to devices uh the tablets and uh, laptops that have sims built in so all sorts of interesting things still going on and actually that's one of the things windows 10 for the desktop has come out and has been released but actually the insiders program for that is continuing there's actually expected to be kind of a, a big full update no really massive big changes but um all part of this kind of new Microsoft, which sees uh, software updates being delivered in a stream rather than at point releases, if I can put it that way.
0: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned there that almost all the core applications can be now updated independently of any kind of firmware. And you're absolutely right, right down to some of the core under the hood modules. I'd be noticing in some of the recent updates in the Windows 10 Mobile Store that the, 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 the .NET runtime, which is a bit of a tongue twister, that was up. That's you can update the .NET runtime via the Windows <laughs> Store. Obviously, there's no application to actually you know boot up to see anything happening, but it's it's an under the hood module. It's being updated through that store mechanism, and also the um, the Microsoft Photos. Plus plugin, which we just saw the first one released a couple of weeks ago. That's been updated a few times and I'm sure there'll be more plugins for photos as well. So yeah, absolutely. Once once they've got a stable build of the main the, the core firmware with you know the interface and the shades and the tiles and so forth and everything flying around with no debug code then they can concentrate on actually updating the applications and everything can just in theory just get better and better
1: yeah so um. actually talking of the insider program steve last week on the podcast i promised <laughs> to do, do some homework on i think it was 10572 um, and then I kind of got an email and had a chat with Steve in the middle of the week and he basically very kindly let me off the homework, which was quite <laughs> lucky because I was uh, busy doing some other things. But uh, give us the latest news on that and what kind of your recommendation is or on what we can do and more to the point when I need to get back behind the desk to do my homework.
0: Well, there were quite a few things that weren't working on the, 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 this latest build and the one before it. And I was thinking, well, they're, they're recommending that you if you actually want to get this latest 10549 then 10572, that you need to go back to 8.1. Then you'll get the update properly, and then you do the hard reset. And there's a whole, basically, hours and hours of flashing just, just to get a small bump in the version number. And 10572 is smoother and faster than previous builds, but it's not so much faster, Rafe, that it's worth saving you 10 seconds a day and, and to do f- five hours of work just to get that 10 seconds a day. I wanted to save you all that hassle because the next bill, which will be one zero five seven six one zero five seven 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 something in that range you'll you'll be able to update that from what you currently have on your insider's device so uh, i I just after i'd been through about um 15 man hours of work with about seven devices i just thought you know i don't want to put right through this this is just going nowhere I'm, i'm this there really is the law of diminishing returns i was doing an awful lot of work to get very very slight improvements and having to reinstall numerous applications numerous settings just to see one bug fixed and I just thought, it's, 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 well, wait, we'll save that homework for you, Ray, for the next build, which hopefully will be in the time for the next podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful because actually uh, it's actually probably an example of where the Insider program almost went too far and a urge to deliver all these updates to as many people as possible. But I, Microsoft don't change things because actually we really like the way you, you've done it this time round. Um, but it, it is actually a good lesson that it is still an Insider and it's a test program and you know running it on your mainstream device especially if you've just got one of them is probably asking for trouble but i did particularly enjoy uh, a tweet from steve earlier this week when i I think he was getting a bit frustrated and it was a i think it was a lumia 1020 and it was showing the update process (laughs) and it it was just a slightly forlorn kind of sounding tweet that's indicated but reading between the lines that you'd spent hours uh, trying to get everything to work, but it's probably, um, worth saying that there is, uh, another update coming, which I think is 10.5.7.5, which will, as you say, uh, have this uh, ability to update directly from wherever you are at the moment. So that should make things a bit smoother. And, you know, that should include some of these, uh, these bug fixes. So maybe that's the one that I'll, I'll be working with.
0: Yeah, I think the caption on my tweet was, welcome to my life these days, or words. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I have gone down that route. I've, I've, in the last week, I have flashed, I think, eight smartphones to the latest Insiders Preview, and I've reverted about nine back to 8.1. At one point, I actually had to test something on 8.1 and realized that I didn't have any, because everything was running the Insiders Preview, and I had to roll back and just to find some phones so I could compare, compare the applications with how they used to work back in the <laughs> old days. Anyway, Well, if it Um, makes you feel
1: any better, I was (laughs) having to spend my time unlocking Android bootloaders after someone updated a test device without asking for for a software version. Um, And it's a lot harder to do in in that world than it is with the uh, Microsoft Recovery tool. Um, uh, I suspect that actually may not apply so much once the uh, Windows 10 mobile has come out officially. It will actually be quite difficult to roll back devices and actually... Probably a good lesson for uh, developers or anyone else out there, so sort of using test devices, that you probably do want to keep some of your devices on Windows Phone 8.1 um, yeah. because it's going to be a while before everyone updates. I mean, if the past history is anything to go by, you get the first 20 to 30% pretty rapidly. The next 30% within sort of two or three months. And then after that, it takes a long time. And I think at the moment, we're something like 75% of devices, maybe 80% on 8.1, but there's still a significant minority on 8. North and even a few on earlier versions, um, as well. And most of those Windows seven, seven devices have sort of been retired and aren't active in the stats. But, um, yeah, one that's w- worth noting because, um, uh, much like, uh, the iOS world, I think Windows phone, it will be quite difficult to roll back to, versions of software once the big Windows 10 mobile update has actually come out and become active. At the moment, it's dead easy thanks to the recovery tool, but uh, I think that may not remain the case forever.
0: Yeah, I'm just making a note here. Rafe is an expert on Android bootloaders. Now that might come in useful in the, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do actually quite like what, what Microsoft forced us to do. These these leading edge insiders is to go back to 8.1 and upgrade from 8.1 to the latest build of Windows 10 Mobile. And although that was a real faff and everyone complained, including me, in actual fact there is an element of me. There's part of my brain that thinks this was really cool. Does this is what people will see, um, or or close to what people will see when the the over the air updates hit eventually, which is what late December or early January for some devices, we're actually getting a glimpse um, into how that upgrade process will work and what users will see when they come up with a new OS, but with their data intact um and indeed microsoft wanted that exact same data they wanted to see people going through this process so that they would know how many people had problems and i think it's fair to say there were some quirks and issues but uh, i I just found it rather interesting despite all the work to do this 8.1 upgrade route and to see how well it worked
1: yeah and and we should probably remember that the insiders program is not really just for people to get access to the latest software it's for microsoft (laughs) to do testing and there's a very good reason to do that so uh Yeah, I'm I'm sure it it is frustrating. I I understand that. But actually, this will all make the subsequent job for consumers that much smoother, hopefully.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, One final thing before we finish. Um, Did you see my nice uh, photographs of uh, some retro uh, camera phones with Zoom, Rafe? I'm rather proud of those.
1: I I did. I sort of... uh, reminisced about the good old days when you got different form factors in the phone and actually these were mostly uh, Symbian devices if I'm allowed to use that word on a Windows phone podcast I think we are I think everyone knows uh-huh. it. it got a, a deep and long long history with Symbian a bit of a love affair going back uh, and uh, I was looking at that and thinking yes it was the Samsung devices with the the, the various zooms i think it was a eight ten was one of them and then yeah. you've got one of the uh, android i think uh, samsung yeah. devices on there the 1020 of course and the n93i which it, in many ways to me still feels like it was one of the ultimate expressions of a camera and phone form factor combined and just that transformer nature and for those that don't remember it kind of had a it was a flip phone but with the barrel of the flip being kind of an entire camera unit and it featured in uh, the transformers movies and various other places for for a very good reason and uh the n93i was announced at ces can't remember the exact year um I'm sure steve will probably be able to remind Since me this is
0: probably 2007 i i think yeah, yeah. That,
1: that sounds about right to me i think along with the n76 which was the motor roller roller razor kind of look alike yeah. um from that n series line and then of course you've also got the 808 as the kind of um the pure view oversampling which actually remains remains current today in the kind of the 950xl but yeah a great one did did you have any particular favorite from that list of devices steve
0: I think I have to say my favorite is obviously the 1020 not just because this is a windows phone podcast but because I was <laughs> I was trying to look at the technologies and how pe- how manufacturers should be approaching the issue of using trying desperately trying to get any kind of zoom facility from a phone form factor um the I mean, the, 8, the 810 and the N93i were good examples back a decade ago of physically trying to get miniaturized optical zoom me- mechanisms to work and of course they never worked very well because they just they didn't let in enough light the quality was never there um, and of course they hadn't developed uh, optical image stabilization back in those days and you really have to have ois if you're going to start zooming then everything's going to be shaking about more than it would be if you're taking a one to one snap and then we had um the uh, the, the, the 808 and the 1020, the 808 without OIS, and the 1020 1020 with OIS, but with that high resolution sensor, meaning you could do kind of lossless zoom into the raw resolution. And the, the big the big selling point there, and the reason why I think that even trumps the newer Samsung S four zoom and the Samsung Galaxy K zoom with the giant telescopic optical zoom is that uh, the latter have all sorts of durability problems. I, I've had two K zooms, I physically owned them, and both of them had hardware problems. Um, first was electronic, the second was in um, that dust would get in around, obviously with all those moving elements. Unsurprisingly, when it's when the phone in daily use, dust particles get in and then they get on the sensor and then you get big blobs appearing on your photos. So uh, there is a lot to be said for a, a sealed unit and those, the 808 and the 1020 in particular, because they're totally sealed units um, they're, they're and they're dust free and they're pretty darn durable. I've dropped my 1020 and my 808 numerous times and they're both still working absolutely fine. Um, so th- if, if there's a lesson from all of this is the fact that there is, there is no genuine physical way to do zooming on a camera phone properly and the 1020 is probably the best expression so far and my my ps was really just that uh, uh using d- digital techniques by interpolating data by literally making up data between pixels you can actually get up to about two times zoom and things like the galaxy note 4 is a note 5 their cameras do a very good j- job of this um and it's kind of fooling the user. The 1020, I think, uh, with the OIS as well, gives genuine three times zoom without actually making up any information at all. And and uh, if I may add a PS to my PS, the, the Lumia 950, the 950 XL, which we're expecting say, in about a month's time, they promise um, two times genuine lossless zoom, 1020 style, pure view style plus another two times interpret- t- interpolative zoom, try saying that after a pint of beer, um, <laughs> as in the style of the Note 4 and Note 5. In other words, we should see, summarizing everything I've just said, uh, up to four times actual usable effective zoom in the 950 and 950 XL so four times zoom in a form factor that's only about a centimeter thick and i think that's probably the limit of where physics and electronics and software can take us yeah
1: it's 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 absolutely amazing and i think you know, i'm sure there will be further technology breakthroughs but i think you're right it's certainly pushing the envelope of the of the current technology and you know the thing is to me is Having a couple of times zoom or up to four times zoom is very useful in a phone. Beyond that, you're then getting into super zoom territory, and the compromises you have to make for the form factor. I mean, it's no longer worthwhile. It's very noticeable. Things like the uh, Galaxy K zoom are considerably thicker. There's quite an extra bit of weight and bulk. And is it really worth it carrying that around? You know, it becomes a point where you're better off carrying a standalone uh, camera. And you know, and so there's always going to be an inherent compromise in there but i think what's happened is um you know things haven't really changed in the if i can call it the optical space you know there's only so many ways you can do that you can stick something on the back of a phone that's great but the quality and what you can do through that interpolation you're talking about and oversampling has moved you know where you know if you like um Traditional, uh, sorry, I should say, what should I call it? Call it zoom through uh, software and through static hardware has got so much closer to where you could get with optical that, you know, the difference is, is, is as you say, it's the right yeah, way to do it, yeah. the 1020 approach. And I think the one thing that people always miss from this argument, um, which you actually talked about first, is that durability factor. You carry your phone around with you every day. It's in and out of your pocket, up and down onto a table. I think if you treated your standalone camera like that, you know, it would break down quite quickly. And, you know, I think they're notorious actually for having to be kept in cases and looked after. And that's for devices where... most people aren't using them every day to be honest you know they take them away on holiday or for specific occasions and and that durability is is reflected in you know how the products get tested and absolutely yeah. you know having everything in one without well when i say no moving parts actually there are moving parts and sometimes you can hear the rattle of ois and things like that but in terms of a, a sealed unit it does make a big difference but it's a worthy reminder that actually there are different approaches and uh, just how brave i think Uh, Nokia's imaging teams were with the 808 which took that first step down the route which now pretty much everybody has followed and as I said I'm sure there will be further technological developments that see that happen again. That was one of the more pronounced ones just because it was quite a step change and it was you know people have tried to do optical and have continued to try to do optical but if you look at it you know this oversampling approach and then this interpolated zoom has now become the industry standard and you know as with many other areas i think uh the teams at nokia were very far-sighted and it's actually one of the areas where they managed to execute on it pretty well as well and consequently have had some of the best camera phones on the market re- whether for zoom or not for zoom um ever since so yeah it's always it's always interesting looking at these retrospective pieces um I, you know, I still i still have a a soft spot for the mechanical stuff and as i say the n93 the n93i with their kind of transforming thing just represented the height of that to me um but you're probably right to say that the uh that you're definitely right to say the sensible approach and the kind of the mass market approach is the all-in-one the kind of as represented by the 1020 and actually i think the the 950 in one sense will become the new benchmark for that
0: yeah, and, and an and an appropriate question, you don't need to answer this, right? It's kind of rhetorical, but is how much Zoom does someone need? How much how much Zoom do you need in a camera phone? So let's say you're out and about in and Europe with family at a park or you're at an event you probably might want to zoom in by a factor of two or so to sort of more tightly crop a family member doing something interesting or somebody, a kid riding a donkey or whatever. You're unlikely to want to zoom in by 10 times. If you're at a concert or a gig or a theatre thing and you want to zoom in by 10 times because you're in the 30th row and you want to take a photograph of someone on stage, you're going to have a proper camera for that, a DSLR with a huge telescopic zoom lens because that's what you need for that job. But if if a phone isn't, as you say, and take it everywhere with your device and you're going to be taking everyday snaps, but just with a touch of zoom just to crop in sl- slightly and still get full resolution and i think sort of two times three times it's eminently doable on the current generation of devices and that's what so my so you say it was a retrospective piece and it was in some ways but i, I also maintain it was future looking Rafe, because i think it's very <laughs> definitely looking forward to the 950 and 950 XL. but um, yeah we will we'll sign off with that, that optimistic thought i'll say goodbye and i'll leave Rafe to do his bit
1: yeah goodbye from you as well thanks as ever for listening your feedback's always welcome And please remember to download and tune in next time.